Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I appreciate you guys checking out this uh, this episode, this recording. I'm out here at the Wildlife Refuge now. Started the new year, and it's uh, a bit of a break in the weather. It's nice and clear right now, and I'm up at a rise just after sunset. I'm kind of looking out over uh, some of the land out here. It's cool. Earlier, I was over at a clearing, and uh, and there's like the, a herd of elk that's in wintering now, which is pretty cool. It wasn't here a few weeks ago when I was uh, back over in this area, but... Uh, yeah, like I've been kind of coming over here sort of through December and I haven't really seen too many of them, but it's cool. Now, looking at uh, the section of a field over here, it was cool. There was like, I think like probably almost 30 of them, I think, but uh, most of them were cows. I had my binoculars and so I was able to to pull up and I saw, I think I saw two with a pretty good rack of antlers on them. It was cool. The, the elk antlers looked pretty neat you know just the shape and structure of it and stuff so it was cool seeing him out here i've only seen him out here that close at least like a few times i think like last year we were able to spot him up out in the field this spring i saw one of them roaming around just by itself out in the field and then um uh years ago yeah i remember seeing him out in that same field it's cool when they're all kind of standing at attention you know just kind of up and moving around and stuff it's pretty cool today they were just they were just kind of bedded down hanging out in, a, in an open field and uh, getting some sun and stuff is kind of fun. I think today it was pretty cold. It was like, you know, 30 degrees or something today. So it's kind of cool that, uh, that they're out there hanging out and stuff. And yeah, now that it's evening, it's, uh, I don't know. It's not uh, bad out here. It's been pretty busy though today. I think there's a lot, like a lot of people that are up and about roaming around and traveling through the, uh, the wildlife refuge area out here. But it's been kind of cool. A few weeks ago now there was, um, there was the Great Conjunction, which is pretty cool. I'm going to talk about this more in the Night Sky podcast. You can check that one out, too. And I'm going to have, I think, uh, I think new episodes of that coming out every month on the 1st um, that kind of covers some of the some of the stuff that's going on in the sky for the month, which would be cool. I'm going to try and do a report of that every month. But I'm going to have one specific on the Great Conjunction of, uh, of Jupiter and Saturn. And then I'm going to have some additional stuff for starting you know, January 1st, uh, so there should be one out right now that you can check out, unless I'm a couple days behind, but um, but yeah, the, the one for January 1st should be out, covering the information for the, sky, the night sky here in January, which is cool, a couple planets are moving around, Saturn and Jupiter are kind of separating, and, and then uh, also fading off into the morning sky, and then we're also going to start dealing with uh, with Venus more too, which is cool, I think if you're up in the morning, you'll see like a bunch of them together out here in, uh, in a couple weeks in January. But uh, a couple weeks ago, yeah, I think on like December 21st is when they were at their closest. And then I've been watching them for the weeks uh, since then, like kind of after Christmas and then up into the new year, they were all both pretty close to each other. And uh, even now, like in the evening, I can kind of still see them uh, like uh, just after sunset, which is cool. But uh, Jupiter and Saturn were really quite close to each other. It was cool that you could kind of cover them both up with, uh, with like your thumb if it was extended out. So I think that means they're, they're closer together than like the, the width of a full moon. They're really quite close together, like two, two little points out in the sky and, uh, they move away from each other fast too. That's what I was surprised by is, uh, they kind of came together at their closest point, And then the next night, you know, it's, it's a bit of distance away from each other. And you're thinking, Oh man, wow. That's like, when you kind of think about it in the sky, you're like, wow, that's, you know, a significant amount of motion in, in just a day. And, but it's strange, though, to think that it's going to take another 19 years of that to get back into the same position where they're at another great conjunction. And I suppose it won't be as close of a conjunction as it was this time. I think this time was especially close in their uh, in their conjunction. Most of the time, they're kind of they're kind of a little bit away from each other just with the 
the angles that the two or our orbit and then those two planets orbits kind of kind of make up an alignment to each other but i guess it was back in the 1600s that was the last time that we had a great conjunction of jupiter and saturn that was as close as what we were able to see a couple nights ago so that was cool getting to getting to spot it and check it out for a while i had a lot of fun um, getting to get to spot jupiter and saturn and uh, a great conjunction it's pretty cool especially around like december 21st when it was at it's uh it's darkest days there that was kind of cool and uh and also like if you kind of go back to the stories of like the the star of bethlehem i think there's an idea that uh, i think it was introduced by kepler back in the early 1600s where um where the idea was that uh a great conjunction of jupiter and saturn and maybe mars uh or another planet uh was what was seen by or noticed by the three wise men as the star of bethlehem so it's kind of cool that that was right before christmas and uh, sort of a fun fun sign and stuff but uh but yeah beautiful to see and it's kind of a cool and sort of rare event to, to see them that close together so it's kind of a fun probably mostly once in a lifetime event to see uh those two planets that close together i think though in a few weeks we're gonna have a pretty close pass of venus and jupiter but i think that's like real early in the morning it's gonna be kind of difficult to see it's still gonna be in the, the glow of the sun and stuff but uh but yeah i think we're gonna start start dealing with venus more too but yeah first uh first week of january stuff i just uh put up a uh a wallpaper on my blog i'm gonna be trying to do this every month and i'm pretty happy to do it i think it's kind of cool but i'm going through and i'm picking up a series of photographs uh, of 12 photographs and making a calendar out of it and uh, and if you're interested in picking up a digital uh, wallpaper for your phone or for your computer you can go to billynewmanphoto.com check out the latest blog for the january wallpaper for 2021 and there's a, a link there to download a uh, a wallpaper sized high resolution image of uh, january's wallpaper i think it's a, a a landscape photo of mount washington beautiful shot really cool i love the uh the, the way the snow and the the land and stuff kind of lies out there and the way the clouds were that day was really cool i've been uh, i've been trying to work on like black and whites and stuff so this is a black and white conversion of a photograph that had previously been uh, been shown in color and I've been liking uh, working with these black and white mixers and some of the software control tools that I have to to kind of change uh, some of the features of the colors of the photographs. But then in the black and white conversion, that kind of makes the the contrast different. Sort of like if you were to use a polarizer when you're putting your photographs together. Like if you're using a polarizer filter on the front of your camera, you can kind of twist that to polarize the light and get some different effects of uh, of what shows up as light or dark in your black and white photographs but kind of similarly with uh, making some adjustments in the mixer you can you can do some of those changes for your black and white photos if you put a blue filter on or a red filter or a yellow filter and i'll probably get into that more but it's cool yeah i put together the series of wallpapers so you can go get the mount washington wallpaper for january 2021 i think it's uh, i'm sizing everything in um 25 60 by like 1700, 16 or 1700, um, sort of depending on the, the aspect ratio, the, the photograph, and that should size out to fit uh, to fit a, a, a desktop, like a 30-inch desktop monitor or a uh, like a phone. And I guess it wouldn't run the 4K resolution. I could probably figure that out, but if anybody's interested in it or into a, a 4K uh, version of the same photo, then I'm sure they can let me know. But yeah, 25, 60 by 1700 
wallpaper photos up and available on billynewmanphoto.com. Started uh, January 1st, I guess, is when the first one published. And I'm going to try and have one out uh, on the first first day of the month, every day or every month uh, between now and the end of the year, which is kind of fun. But, uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. Trying to put a bunch of uh, new stuff up on the, the blog and uh, some, some new links, new new web stuff that I'm trying to put together. So I want it to be pretty full this uh, this whole year. Um, what's the next part? Yeah, so I've uh, been kind of trying to put together like a packing list. I think that's something I'm going to focus on a lot this year too of uh, some of the, the packing list stuff that I'm putting together and uh, like uh, the, I don't know, just the types of stuff that I'm going to try to put together for these different truck camping trips that i'm trying to head out on and even if it's like uh like day stuff but especially like if it's multi-day uh photo work travel stuff i'm trying to put together some uh some packing lists and some like information and stuff about it to to kind of talk about the the different types of things i'm carrying and some of the experience i've had from it a lot of the time like you can get like pretty in-depth packing lists but really it yeah, you can really kind of trim it, or I don't know if you can, you can really kind of cut it down a lot. There's a lot of, there's, there's just a few types of sort of general things that seem to come up a lot and you can really handle a lot of your problems with those. So I've been kind of looking at like uh, more complicated lists or, you know, more kind of like I don't know, expert level lists of stuff that people put together on some of these, uh, these out, outbound trips and stuff. But, uh, but really I think like some of the, the, the better experts or people that have been doing it longer have kind of, kind of worked out some of the smoother grooves to work in and, I'm going to try and figure those out and then talk about them as I'm, uh, as I'm moving around, but I'm trying to move around more in January, uh, trying to get out and do some traveling and stuff. So I just put up a postcard from, uh, the high desert back country, which is uh, where I'm going to be trying to travel. Uh, I think like this next week I'm heading out on a trip to go up into some high, or I guess maybe some high desert. We'll kind of see what the snow level is. I think out there, when you get above uh, like 4,000 feet, uh, it's especially this time of year in January, you're going to be kind of dealing with uh, the possibility of some snow on the ground and some different spots, which I'm kind of trying to avoid camping indirectly. But I am trying to go out uh, into some high desert backcountry stuff, into some of like the sagebrush um, highland areas that are out there in eastern Oregon or uh, or even northern Nevada. I'm trying to get out to northern Nevada more, but I think that's going to be probably in a few weeks here as I, uh, as I kind of get, get more stuff together to get out of state, but it'd be kind of cool. But yeah, this, uh, high desert back country photo I put up as a, yeah, as a postcard on the blog the other day. And, um, yeah, it's cool traveling around in the back country and stuff. It's sort of the same stuff I'm always up to where it's, uh, it's just kind of like taking a day, day and a half, day, two, day or two using the truck, camping out in the back of it. I got the heater going like all the time and like that little propane heater in the back. I have that running a lot too, which is really cold. And I'm definitely like making use of my layers. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to get a little bit more used to like doing some stuff through the January season. December, I was pretty held up or hold up November and December. It was pretty, pretty nice kind of having a comfortable holiday season and taking it easy and stuff. But now I'm trying to do some colder weather, wet, rainy weather, photo stuff and some uh, photo travel and camp and stuff. And so I'm kind of trying to dig into that a little bit more and get used to being, uh, being out in the rain or being out in the weather and the elements and the cold and out here in the high desert, it's kind of cool. The weather is really quite a bit drier um, so if there's, uh, if there's not snow on the ground in that area, I mean, the cold, it really rips through. You gotta have your layers and stuff. You gotta be like well insulated, but, um, but the, there's kind of a dryness in the air. So, um, uh, like over in the, the valley areas, um, there's like a lot of moisture 
a lot, a lot more moisture in that area and a lot more kind of wetness to deal with, which is okay. And it's kind of nice that the temperature is above, above freezing, but when it's below freezing and the humidity is kind of high and, and there's moisture in the air, it's, it's really, I think, kind of a little bit more difficult to deal with. But out here in eastern Oregon, it's kind of nice where you can uh, set up a fire and sort of, you know, set up your heat source and stuff, have an okay shelter and stuff set up. And you can really kind of get through uh, some of these colder nights. And I mean, it's no, it's no surprise, right? People have been camping out in, uh, in like, you know, 17, 14 degree temperatures for a real long time. It's really obviously even colder than that for a real long time. So, you know, if I'm doing it and it's uh, 24 degrees out somewhere in Eastern Oregon on a pretty mild set of days that I'm trying to do some traveling then it's okay. I can probably figure out how to how to handle it, how to survive out there. For the packing list stuff, I uh, have some posts going up on my website here pretty soon that'll uh, kind of be a more comprehensive list of, you know, just kind of generally like this is like everything I try and uh, put on a checklist of stuff that I'm trying to bring on a trip. And it's helped me a lot. It's cool having that. And I'm, I can probably make it more specific about the stuff that I bring in on, on each trip too. But uh, but yeah, going over the full list is is pretty useful. Uh, so yeah, I recommend you check that out and, uh, probably you've copied over too. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to go over this list, get some stuff set up so that I'm kind of prepped and ready to go and I have the right kind of gear and stuff to get out on. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely kind of loading up on warm equipment. Uh, so I have my sleeping bag. My sleeping bag is probably the weak link that I have right now for some of this winter camping stuff. I have plenty of dry gear. I have the truck in pretty good shape, the camper shell on it, so I can stay dry. I don't have to worry about, you know, the wet weather, rainy tent stuff. And I'm really in pretty mild climate areas where it's going to be above freezing or it'll just drop below freezing for a period at night. There's probably going to be no snow on the ground for the places I'm selecting. So it's pretty mild weathered kind of stuff in a lot of ways. I mean, gosh, if you think about what people have to do back east or back in uh, like the Midwest, uh, like Montana, even, you know, even out in the, these Western states, it's going to be a lot more difficult than probably the experience that I have for some of the mild climate that I have through the winter over here. So it's cool. I'm trying to get out more and kind of take advantage of it. But a lot of it is, yeah, dealing with the rain and dealing with it kind of, uh, kind of going in waves of rain as you're out, just kind of being exposed to the weather. So it's okay. But the cold is kind of tough. And um, yeah, the weak link is the sleeping bag. So I have a 15 degree sleeping bag right now. And I was thinking about a zero degree sleeping bag. That's probably where I should have started, I figure. But I think where I'm going to try and move to now is a negative 15 degree sleeping bag so that I have one that's sort of a, a warmer weather, mild weather sleeping bag that's um, that's positive 15 degrees as it's rated down to, which I think is really only good to about 30 degrees Fahrenheit, really much below that. It's, it's really quite cold. Um, so I like to really only use it like for kind of spring, summer, early fall stuff. And then really as it goes into deeper fall or early spring or anytime where you're really going to be dropping below 31 degrees below freezing, I think it's pretty difficult to stay comfortable. And I, I definitely get very cold at night and that, I think that uh, kind of negatively affects my sleep enough that uh, that I'm certainly not comfortable and uh, definitely not as well rested uh, for the other other activities and stuff that I'm trying to get to when I'm camping out. So I think uh, yeah, if I I'm gonna get through this trip with uh, the positive 15 degree bag, but then I'm definitely going a below zero bag uh, sometime soon. So I've been trying to look over like stuff at REI and figure out what kind of uh, negative sleeping bag I have out there. There's like synthetic fill. There's uh, there's down fill bags, which are more expensive. And then there's like a, uh, 
a treated waterproof downfill that's sort of in some of the more premium bags. And I'm kind of still trying to decide, but I think uh, the primary thing for me is like that warmth insulating layer. And a lot of this stuff is going to be car camping or um, some good backpacking and, uh, you know, solo backpacking trips. So I need it to be uh, packable and storable, but really I think a lot of things are. And for the price increase to go from, how do I describe it? Say like uh, to go from the, the zero degree bag to the, the negative 15 degree bag is a little bump. And to go from, say, a synthetic fill to a down fill is a bump in price. Uh, so when you're really kind of picking out and selecting for the, the thing you want, you know, lightweight, packable, negative 15 degree, like so a lot of insulation, it ends up being like a pretty expensive uh, like backpacking uh sleeping bag you know it's like i don't know it's a couple hundred bucks it's like 300 bucks for like you look at big agnes you look at nemo uh i was looking at like the rei ones and um there's i don't know there's like a few others that are out there that i've kind of been been checking out a lot of cool stuff a couple hundred bucks for a bag in that kind of style so i think that there's one that rei well i think it's an rei bag that's a negative 15 degree bag that was a pretty reasonably priced set one and I think there's another one that's like a uh, outdoor research bag that was a negative 15. That I think was a pretty well-priced synthetic bag that had pretty good reviews. But uh, but I still haven't made a choice yet. I don't know if you guys have experience. Shoot me a message, billynewmanphoto.com. <laughs> I guess I'll, uh, I'll read an email about sleeping bags. I've been trying to do some research on it, and uh, it seems cool, but yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the, the right one for, for my needs and stuff. And uh, yeah, I was, I was hearing kind of like um, the two sleeping bag approach. Sometimes, like if you're real into it, you'll go for four sleeping bags. So you have like, uh, you'll have every kind of, kind of range for sleeping bags. So you have kind of warm, temperate climate. You have that like mid, cool, cold, and then very cold as uh, sort of your tiers to go through. And uh, I guess, you know, you probably have like a 15 to 30 degree difference between each of their ratings for depending on like what, what time of season or what time of year, what season you're going camping in and uh, trying to sleep out in or what kind of activity you're up to. Um, but I think like a lot of people should, should probably focus in on a two sleeping bag system where you have something for uh, kind of mid cold temperate climates and then pro like an extra cold uh, climate. And I think that's probably what I'm going to try and move in on uh, here now. So I've had my summer bag for years now. And I think it's time that I get a cold weather bag, something that's uh, below rated for below freezing. And I guess that would get me to keep me warm in the, the tens and teens temperatures that I'm trying to head out into. Uh, it's cool. I'm out here kind of outside. It's a clear night. And I'm uh, looking at a bunch of Canadian geese that have taken off. They're flying over the, the valley here. And I see them in the the light that's kind of still up over the hills is after the sun had set and uh yeah hundreds of them it's cool kind of floating around swarming around really pretty to see the geese and stuff out here it's kind of cool i like that part of uh of january december january out here it's nice watching the birds fly around i think real soon we should be uh be spotting the bald eagles coming in i've seen like a bunch of hawks out here tonight but i haven't seen any eagles out in the trees and it should be any time i think uh i think this time of year is when they start showing up in this part of the valley which is pretty fun. But I got some black and white photos going up on Instagram right now. A lot of black and white photos to come. And uh, I think that'll be, be pretty cool. Uh, let me jump over here and see like what, what I was putting out this week. I think, 
Yeah, I've got some stuff from like Eastern Oregon is I think what was going on. So I have a photo, a bunch of black and white conversions is what I was trying to work on, like I was talking about at the top of the podcast where I was, uh, I was going through this uh, this mixer and making changes to a bunch of the color photographs that I've had before and a bunch of photographs I shot this year that I haven't posted yet, putting out a black and white version, trying to do some other projects with them too. But I have a photo of, uh, of Fort Rock from the distance. It's kind of a, a shot of the sagebrush and stuff as it spreads across the land on a cloudy day. I thought that was a cool shot. This other image I've got is of some petroglyphs. I've talked about these petroglyphs before probably, but yeah, beautiful to see these uh, these Indian petroglyphs that are just like, I think they're these are ancient. These specific ones are really old. And uh, I think they have, um, like, uh, I think they have a, a human depiction with uh, with animals and then like another kind of god-like figure. Was I can't, there's a, sp a specific name for this. Like when, uh, when tribes had petroglyph depictions of sort of a half animal, half human uh, being on their petroglyph display. But there's this big petroglyph display with this horned human with four arms. And then below that, there's like the small man with two arms and two legs and no horns. And he's got his hands up too. But he's kind of like beneath and below like the, the bigger entity. And then on the other side of the rock is this display of like this field of animals and then a human in it. Really interesting to see kind of the, the types of things that these people were thinking. Beautiful to see it, but I love that photograph and uh, uh, yeah, working with uh, some of this high desert stuff and some of these petroglyphs is pretty cool. And I like that, that kind of content a lot. I got another photograph of the Alvord desert out with the tent on it. Really fun. I want to get, get out to the Alvord again pretty soon. And I hope to do that probably by the early spring. It'd be nice to get back out there. But uh, definitely out in the area. I want to try and check out some stuff in the Oahe Canyon, too. I think that'd be pretty cool. And I've got this other photo of the truck. I've been, uh, I think it's the truck pretty soon after the time that I put the canopy on it back in the spring. I think this was a trip that I had done out to, uh, what's the name of that area? I don't know. It was like up in, uh, up this creek in the uh, the Willamette National Forest that I was doing a kind of an early spring fishing trip and I did like an overnight trip up there. Uh, beautiful lake though, beautiful water and stuff. Really nice to, to kind of go back up there and camp. Uh, but it gets kind of crowded in that area. Even as it is, it's just kind of a tight canyon. And so like a lot of the opportunities for spots to stop and camp all get kind of filled up along that creek side there. But yeah, it was cool going out there and cool definitely checking out the uh, the truck with the canopy on it. It was nice. And uh, I think, yeah, another photograph I put up this week was this one of the I think it was the divide where the part of the Alvor Desert has the uplift that goes to the Steens Mountain. And uh, really, I think, a cool photograph. I think this one might be a film image. I'm not sure. It might be the, might be the digital copy of it, too. But, uh, but, yeah, it looks out, I think, toward Man Lake, which is this, uh, this smaller but multi-acre lake that's out there in the the desert side the alvord desert side of the uh, the steens divide there but yeah then it uplifts to i think probably about eight thousand on average and then i think it, it peaks at around like 9500 feet and then slopes off again back down toward uh, toward french Glen, and i think it's like another 70 to 80 maybe 90 miles over to the ridge of heart mountain and that's where you get another uh, section of uplift but really cool out there and i loved uh getting out there over to the the Alvord and Steens area. 
And then another photo I have, yeah, there's probably like a few photos that you guys are probably going to see on uh, on social or up on the blog as I uh, kind of go through. Um, but yeah, this other one from the Alvord Desert as I look up to the uh, the Steens Mountain in the morning. I think this one had been like uh, a color image that they put out a number of times. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I like this uh, this photograph a lot. And uh, I think it should be up probably this week. It's number six on the photo. I think I'm probably putting out maybe 12 photos a week. Maybe a little more than that. I think it's supposed to be two a day, most days of the week. And so, I don't know, it could be up to 14 photos, I guess. But I don't know if it's that many. And I got another photo here of uh, some trees. Myself. Mount Hood. You're probably going to see that photo. This black, yeah, I like this black and white photo of Mount Hood. I was up in the Mount Hood National Forest. What would it be? I guess it would be east uh or kind of on the east side of mount hood and it was uh over yeah in the national forest area over there on some some roads back in october i think i was talking about on the podcast too and i have a photograph here of it yeah that i was uh, editing over into a black and white but i really like how contrasty it is and how i was kind of trying to work the blacks in the trees to be you know like real crisp and sharp and uh and then kind of isolate some of the channel in the backlight so you get kind of a crisper uh, relief of the the details in the trees and the the glean off the snow on the side of the peak of the mountain it's pretty cool but it's kind of fun stuff and then i have another uh, kind of abstract one that's uh sort of some some clouds that are sweeping up in this long exposure i'm going to try and get into more long exposure stuff this year if i can do it i uh, i want to try and use this uh this lee big stopper uh, neutral density filter and uh, I use this and I also use really just like low light blue hour time of day uh, with uh, with the regular like 30 second exposure on the camera and if there's like a couple clouds in the sky and sort of a, a skyline with some light on it or, you know some of that evening or morning uh, skylight it works really well to uh, to light a photograph for around 30 seconds or so I really like that actually you know that shooting that time of day um, I, I still really prefer the uh, the aspects that you get of the the just before dawn and just after sunset lighting that you get. It's a uh, I don't know. It's probably some of my favorite, but you really get some of the the I guess kind of the dramatic contrast in the sky. You also get a lot of relief and color up into the clouds, and even in this one, that's a black and white conversion. I think it's cool where you get to see the uh, the light kind of curling up over the horizon and sort of making some dramatic effects in the sweep of the clouds as they were kind of cast into the photo over 30 seconds that they were exposed for. It's pretty fun, pretty cool. But also, I don't know, pretty mellow stuff. Some black and whites going up. If you have any thoughts on those, let me know. Shoot me an email, billynewmanphoto.com. Also, you can, what is it? Go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support to send me some information or to send me some cash if you want to. And, uh, Send me some information if you want to have me talk about some stuff on the podcast. That'd be pretty cool, too. But through the new year, 2021, it'll be nice and uh, kind of coming into a whole bunch of new stuff. So this week I'm going out and doing some kind of, I guess, kind of wintry desert camping stuff. Should be kind of wet and really cold, and I'm going to try and get used to that. And then coming up soon, I'm going to be trying to go over to the coast for... Uh, I want to do some rock counting stuff and some... Uh, <laughs> I want to do some metal detecting i got this metal detector so i got a whole whole plan on that coming up but 
yeah thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the billy newman photo podcast i appreciate you guys tuning in and checking it out and uh, i'll get back to you next week thanks a lot bye